Turn in your Bibles, please, to um, Acts 1, please. I think I'll use the pulpit mic to conserve my battery for the Lord's Supper. Acts, I've been wanting to preach this book for so long. It's kind of the craziness of being a minister. You you have these little plans that you... (laughs) Want to plan? We'll see how today goes. I'm going to read 1 through 11 and then tell us what we're going to do, Lord willing. This is, um, I, I'm going to attempt to read, read in faith, and I, I want us all to, 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 um, to listen in faith, to believe that this is the very word, which it is, of a holy and a perfect God. 1, one through 11. First account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach till the day when he was taken up into heaven after, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To, to these he had presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised which he said you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when my Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. After he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the cloud while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come again just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Glory to God. Let's pray. Oh God, what a glorious thought that you, Lord Jesus Christ, ascend into glory. You're seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And someday, very, very soon, you'll come again. You'll judge the living and the dead, and your kingdom will have no end. Glory to your name. We pray, gracious God, that you would have mercy upon me as your spokesman, and that the words of my lips, the meditation of my heart, would be pleasing, acceptable, right according to your scripture. That all of us, Lord, as those gathered before you at your feet, we would have the requisite faith that you, Holy Spirit, would have caused us to be born again by your own doing. That we truly would be spiritual creatures and that we would hear this spiritual word and be shaped into the image of the beloved, the living word, even Jesus Christ. If, If there are any here today that they are dead in their sins and trespasses, We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you could do. That through my ministry of speaking, that you would take the words to dry and dead bones. And in the name of Christ, you would make them live. And they would be joined to the great cloud of witnesses. Glorify your name in all the earth, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I start off usually in the week with my little plan of what I'm going to do. I, I mentioned the other day I'm fastidious about 
I'm a box checking, plan making, plan not accomplishing humanoid. And with my plan this week, I fully intended to take chapter 1, 1 through 11, and my sermon was going to be something along the lines of Christ resurrected, Christ ascended, Christ coming again, something like that. Hopefully that will be my sermon next week if I live, because (laughs) I worked all this week and I came up with a radically different sermon, and my radically different sermon really comes from, if you look at chapter 1, and look at what in most of your Bibles will be above verse 1, and what will be above verse 1 in your Bibles? I think it will be the title, right? I'm going to preach the title today, and you may think, well, Pastor, you are a very silly man, which of course is true, so I... I Today is the first sermon in a new book series. This is ordinarily the way that I preach through books, and it's because I'm not speculative um, or very, very fancy. I just plow through the way that God writes his word. And oftentimes, my wife knows this because I lament the whole week. It's so hard to start a book. It is very hard to start a book. So this week will be something of an introductory sermon uh, to the book of Acts. And we're going to be here for a while, Lord willing. I have no idea whether this week will be the week that I go see the Lord. I have no idea. But my plan is to plow through this book. Whatever God's plan is, of course, he will get his plan. And then, so a general summary of what this book teaches will be today. And that brings me to the title. And the title in my Bible is um, the book of Acts. And I want to point out something. Again, we're just going to unpack what... The title does teach us about the general theme of this book, and I'm going to bring in a lot of other scripture to just to show us what it is that we're going to be looking at over the next probably more than a year, maybe two years, I I don't know, but something like that. First of all, the Holy Spirit did not give us the the title of the book. So in, in your Bible, it says the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit didn't inspire that title. Sometimes when you read the Psalms, the titles will be inspired. They'll be part of the inspired writing. Or sometimes our editors would have given them a title. In this case, as regards to the the book being called the Book of Acts, it's not given to us by the editors. Um, It's given to us by uninspired churchmen. So it's not the inspired record of God. It's not inspired by the Holy Spirit given to uh, Luke to write now the Book of Acts. When I say it's not inspired, but it's written, given to us by uninspired churchmen, I don't mean to say that they're incorrect. So if you look at our confession, I want to say our first confession of faith, chapter 1, maybe around about paragraph 6. The way that we are studying the Bible, we are uninspired. We're not immediately inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of God. We maintain as Protestants, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, that epoch is over. And we live in a different epoch when the canon is closed. And so that the way that we understand the Bible is obviously the Spirit gives us faith. And then through ordinary means, we are studying the Bible. What does it teach us? Theologians use this fancy a term for the analogy of faith. It means when we come to an unclear passage, we go to a related clear passage, and it teaches us what that means. So when we come to this title in my Bible being the book of Acts, Very wise and learned churchmen have said that word, Acts, best summarizes what it is we're looking at in this particular book. And I actually think they're correct with that. I want to put a plug in here. Our brother said that we are a creedal church. That's very true. 
So I come out of Roman Catholicism, and when I was born again in Christ many, many years ago, I don't know how many years ago now, a lot, 30-something, I would not touch a creed. I wouldn't touch a creed. I wouldn't touch a catechism. And then God the Holy Spirit taught me a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is we're standing upon the shoulders of our brothers and sisters, of theological giants. It, it is not a mark of piety to say that the Holy Spirit hasn't said anything to the church for the past 2,000 years. I would argue rather it's a, a mark of um, silliness or pride, but certainly. So th- th- this is given to us by very, very learned churchmen that say this book, Acts, best describes what we're looking at. Now the word Acts... In Greek, some of y'all will know this. I know baby Greek and baby, 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 baby Hebrew. But the word in Greek for acts is praxis, praxis. We get uh, orthopraxy, right praxis. Or sometimes we talk about orthodoxy, right words, right belief. So praxis is the Greek word for acts. And it can mean acts, as it's entitled, or action, uh, practice, doing that kind of an idea. So again, we're just trying to get an idea thematically what this book is all about. So we are coming to this book that's essentially a book about action. That's what this book is about. It's a book, a book about action. And the action that's going on in this book is the Lord Jesus Christ is advancing his kingdom in this world, and then he's going to usher in his kingdom to come. So that the way that our secondary standards say Uh, talk about it is the kingdom of uh, grace is being advanced people are being saved and brought to the lord jesus christ and being conformed into the image of jesus and then when jesus christ comes back on the last day the kingdom of grace will be transformed into the kingdom of glory it's glorious it's glorious so our god has said this is what i am going to do and when god says he is going to do something unlike us how many times have you said to someone I'll be there Monday, or for sure, son, we're going fishing. And then what happens? You're not going fishing. Why? For a myriad of reasons. When God says, here is what I am going to do. I'm going to bring my Christ in. I'm going to bring my elect to Christ. I'm going to build them up in Christ. And then he's coming back. I am going to do that. And what do we learn when we come to this book of action? God does it. God does it. We look in the world right now. We look in the mirror And we we see all of this opposition. We think it's opposition. And perhaps it's opposition to us. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot stop the advance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't. It's something spiritual. Human beings cannot stop it. Demons can't stop it. The book of Acts is about the advance of Christ in his kingdom, seeking and saving and building up the elect of God in Christ. So, this book is a book of action. I, I use the phrase action Jackson. Um, my daughter is action Jackson. <laughs> my sister Catherine is action Jackson. Our God, when we look at this thematically, our, our God is a, a God that acts. Our God is a God that plans his decree, and then in providence he carries out his decree. Our God is a God of action. Read the book of Genesis Uh, In Genesis means in beginnings. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. In the beginning, what? Before, in the beginning, God, and then God speaks, and then he creates action. So 
Our brother mentioned in Sunday school something about knowing God. J.I. Packer said the whole purpose of life, and if we could get, get this purpose of life, much of the difficulty that we have living would fall into the place. J.I. Packer says the, pur- the main purpose of life is to know God, to know God savingly. That's the main purpose of life, to know who he is rightly. And so when we gather together to worship, part of the way that we worship is we're looking at his word saying, oh God, tell us who you are. In the book of Acts, God says, I am a God who acts. I'm a God of action. He's active in creation. And the Bible teaches us that he's active in preserving his creation. I quoted Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Christ sits down upon the throne, the risen Christ, and he's preserving everything by his word and by his spirit. So God is active in creation. He's active in the preservation of his creation. And he's moving his creation to a particular point in time. That is to say when Christ comes back. And then when we think about God being active in creation or in providence, even though sometimes it doesn't look like God is active behind all this business, he is. Our God is especially active in redemption or salvation. And he's sovereignly active in in redemption or salvation. What do I mean by that? The Father plans the redemption of God's elect. He sends the Son, and the Son is sent by him, all action. And then the Son does what? For the purchase of God's people. What does he do? This is what the book of Acts is going to teach us. He lives a perfect life. It's the active obedience of the Lord Jesus. There are some within quasi so-called reformed churches. They go by federal vision. They deny the, the active obedience. That Jesus did, doesn't actively obey the law. And you get his active obedience imputed to you. That's a lie, by the way. His active obedience. Jesus is born under law. He perfectly keeps the law of God that we could have his perfect record keeping. And then his passive obedience is he does what? He dies a perfect substitutionary death. The wages of sin is what? Every sin. Someone called me this week, not in the church, and they said, well, are you sure it's by grace alone through faith alone? I said, I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure it's by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone we are justified. Quite sure. I know it's sure propositionally in the Bible, and then if we were to look around, let's just say it wasn't. Let's just say it wasn't by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, but that you had to throw your two cents in. Where would we all go? Not up. We would go down. How much good? And what are we going to give? And what we put on the table? What do we put on the table? <laughs> Not perfect. Not perfect. So the Father plans, the Father sends, Christ is sent. And then the, we, we read it in the Nicene Creed. I, I said the Nicene in the, Apostol- the Apostles' Creed my whole life. Um, even in the church in my youth, we said these creeds all the time. They're in my head. And John 15, John 16, the Father and the Son send who? The Holy Spirit. And this is what the book of Acts. The book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers God's holy people to go out and do what? to tell people about Holy Christ. That's why we're, there's always going to be a church on the earth to worship Jesus. It might not be in Pensacola. It might not even be in America. God forbid. But there's always going to be a church on earth to worship Jesus. Why? Because it's, it's purchased by God in the flesh. It's advanced by God in the flesh. The gates of hell can't crush it. Our God is active in creation, active in providence, active in salvation, active. And the Holy Spirit obviously comes. And the Holy Spirit's main job, as it were, is to do what? 
is to make the proclamation of the gospel effectual in the life of the elect. What does that mean? The fancy word for that is he gives you faith. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He performs the heart surgery. He takes out the heart of stone, Ezekiel 36, and he gives you what? A heart of flesh to believe. That's what it means to be born again. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not that we're super good when we believe or super smart when we believe. It's the Holy Spirit's job. God is active. The book of Acts is about an active God. The deists are utterly clueless. Utterly clueless. When they say, oh, the God of the Bible just winds things up like a clock and says, hope you all have a good time. I'm going on vacay. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is intensely, intimately active. Is he not? Remember we read from from Isaiah, if anybody's exhausted, hello. If anybody's weak, hello. Our God is with us. Our God knows. He's active. And so when we're coming to worship God and worship him in his word and know of him in his word, the book of Acts comes along and says, this is what your God is like. These are the attributes of our God. And we, we rejoice in it. And we're encouraged by it. So the book of Acts is about a, a, an active and a God full of action. And what we see here being played out is, what did I put the title of the sermon? Uh, the acts of God through the servants of God. So not only is our God active, but we are image bearers of God, even fallen. Even fallen man is still an image bearer of God in a, a general sense, not in a narrow sense, General sense is we're spiritual, culpable, religious beings. Narrow sense is true knowledge, righteousness, uh, which is lost in the fall, but regained in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, as God's image bearers, I'll, I'll speak believer to believer. As believers, we are born again in Jesus Christ. We're being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means we're being conformed into the perfect image of God, perfect man, being conformed into the perfect image of the perfect God-man. Like our God, God has created us and God has refashioned us in Christ to be active, to be active. And so we are to reflect that. And what we see in the book of Acts is God is using us as his servants to advance the kingdom of Christ in the world. He has, a, he has a, a, an ordinary way that he governs all things and that he brings to pass all things, which is to say that he uses many times um, the advance of the gospel using his his people. So what we're seeing here is human beings being active. You see it both in creation and Genesis, what is it, one, Genesis one. What does it say? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue the earth, and rule the earth. That is man's charter from God. When you look around and you think, well, why are human beings supposed to kind of run the show under God for God? Because God said it that way. We're not equal with a chipmunk. We're not equal with, I don't know, a snail darter. We are infinitely above them because God said so. We're not, gonna, we're not supposed to hurt this, the lower creatures, but we're to rule and govern and be active for God, under God. And that's what God calls us to do. And then in redemption, God uses us as born-again people to prosper or advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are to be active like... uh, Later in the book, you've heard the phrase, 
They, these Christians are turning the whole world upside down. Is that Acts 17? Something like that. Remember that phrase? These Christians are turning the whole world upside down. That gets at the general idea of this book, the book of action. We are to be action Jacksons in Christ, for Christ, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, in imitation of our God, in imitation of our God, in imitation of our Christ. Now, when those people said they're turning the whole world upside down with the preaching of this gospel, were they saying, and we're happy as clams about that? Were they happy with that? That these Christians are running around saying, you know what? There's a holy God and you are unholy sinners, but God has made a way in holy Christ. Repent of your sins, believe in Christ, and you'll be saved and joined to him. Believe. Were they happy with that? No. Did the people, the unbelievers, try to stop them from doing that? Yes. Did the Christians stop their acts? Remember the book Acts? Did they stop their activity? Well, if you know, I don't know. If you don't want me to say anything or live for Jesus, then if you don't want me to, I won't. I'll just be over here in my house practicing my, my religion in the back room. I won't tell anybody about anything. <laughs> no, they didn't. What we're looking at, beloved, in the book of Acts, the acts of God through the servants of God, the acts of Christ through the servants of Christ in the face of, and this is very significant, in the face of opposition. We're not home yet. This is just Beulah. We're, we're going to Beulah land. Beulah land means married. And we, we, sing, we sing that song, Beulah. Beulah means married. And we're going home. We, we are the bride. And we're going to go home to marry the bridegroom. And, and it's going to be all Hephzibah, pleasantness. But we're not there yet. We are not in Beulah land yet. We're not in Hephzibah yet. We're in the wilderness. It's a howling wasteland. But this is where the activity of advancing the kingdom occurs in the face of opposition. Sometimes people think, as Christians, well, I'll wait till things get easier or people really, really, I'll wait till it gets easy. Guess what? The only time it's going to get easy when, is when they say, Pastor John's gone. <laughs> it's like he's in heaven. It doesn't get easy till we die. There will be no time that we exist here below where there won't be opposition against the advance of Christ or his gospel from the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not going to happen here. Here is cross-bearing, crown-wearing time. There is crown-wearing time. So we see the action of Christ's servants in the book of Acts against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil and the devil's servants, human and angelic, are telling Christians in the church in, in various ways, either directly outward threatening or inwardly corrupting, stop your activity. And it's usually not stop your activity, it's stop your gospel activity, but divert your gospel activity to other activities. And if you divert your gospel activity to other activities, what does the devil say? My kingdom's safe. My kingdom is safe. They're busy with other things. They're just not busy with Christ. And so from this book, this book will teach us that our God is active in creation, our God is active in redemption, and we as Christ's people are to be active and active with the gospel. You remember the, the talents? There are two, there are two um, parables. They're related. The parable of the talents and the parable of the minas. I think minas is Luke. 
uh, parable of talents is Matthew. You remember that? You remember the last guy? He has one talent. And what does he do with the talent? He buries it in the ground. And I'm going to call that talent the gospel talent. We have the words of eternal life as Christian people. And what we're looking at in the book of Acts is people with the words of life taking out the words of life to people who are dead in their sins and their trespasses and they need the words of life. And they're taking it out and they're profuse or ubiquitous with the gospel of Jesus. Life in Christ. Everlasting life in Christ. Reconciliation. And they're giving it away. Um, We are those people. We, we, We have the words we have the words of eternal life. And God the Holy Spirit is telling us don't bury your talent in the ground we are to be now that person that buries the talent they're unbelievers the two other people that don't bury their talent those are believers and what do they do with their talent they trade with their talent jesus tells us here below you this morning could be thinking what's it all about alice what's my purpose in life what's your purpose in life beloved why are you here why did god make you I can t- if you're a Christian, I can tell you why God made you. You know why God made you? To glorify him, to enjoy him, and for this. The book of Acts will give us the big meaning to our life. I don't know if you're supposed to drive a dump truck or hang sheetrock or be a doctor or a lawyer, an Indian chief. I don't know any of that. But I do know the big picture. It uses it a number of times. Witnesses, 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 witnesses. God has recreated you in Jesus Christ so that you would go out and tell people about Jesus Christ and live for Jesus Christ. This this book of action is about the advance of Christ being promoted by people that love Jesus Christ. Christians, that's what we are. We are Christ lovers. We are Christ dispensers. We live for Christ. And that's what this book is going to teach us. And conversely, by implication... If someone says, "Well, you know, I don't, um, I don't really, I don't really run around and tell people about Jesus. I don't live for Jesus. Actually, I don't even think about Jesus. But don't get me wrong; I'm a Christian. <laughs> That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. And this is a book about people that are actively laboring and trying to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's the one that enables us, us to believe and to obey. Now, when we look at the business of Action being applied to a believer. What do you call a person that says, don't get me wrong, I have right doctrine, but I just don't have right practice. I have orthodoxy, but no orthopraxy. What's a, what's a person that says, I have right doctrine, but I don't live a holy life? That's an antinomian. That's an anti-law. And what do we call that? An unbeliever. And conversely, the person that says, don't get me wrong, I don't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, but I have right living. I, have, I don't have orthodoxy, I do have orthopraxy. What do you call that? A Pharisee, a hypocrite, an unbeliever. Right doctrine, orthodoxy, right belief in the Lord Jesus Christ produces the book of Acts. Right living. We're not talking perfect living. We're never going to live perfectly until we die and go to heaven. But faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the root, the source. And from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have living for the Lord Jesus. It's like the fruit tree. The, you, 
the fruit don't come first. It's the person is planted into Christ first, and then the tree produces the fruit. So this is the good works part. The Church of My Youth, the Roman Catholic Church, they would say, you Protestants don't believe in good works. Of course we believe in good works. As Reformed Presbyterian Puritans, whatever we are, we have a whole chapter in our confession on good works. Chapter 16. Christians that are joined to Jesus Christ. If you are joined to Jesus by spirit-wrought faith, will you produce good fruit? Will you? Jesus says you will know a true believer by their what? And the person that says, oh, Lord, Lord, don't get me wrong. Lord, Lord, and I just don't do what you say. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says to them, what? Why do you call me Lord? (laughs) Why do you call me Lord? The book of Acts is about Christians that are joined to Jesus, living actively for Christ. Again, the action doesn't make us Christians, but the action flows out of that spirit, gift, grace, wrought faith that joins us to Christ. That's what this book is about. The second title sometimes given to this book is the title of the book that I knew from the Church of My Youth is the Acts of the Apostles. My Greek New Testament is the one that I read is Nestle Arland, Greek New Testament. My Greek New Testament calls this book the Acts of the Apostles. And of course, it is a book of Acts. It is a book of the Acts of the Apostles. Now, who and what is an apostle? Apostles were, the the 12 apostles were 12 specially chosen men by Jesus. Jesus Christ specifically picked 12 guys. One of them was a devil. He's the son of damnation, John chapter 17, to show us that the church doesn't save, only Christ saves, and that that the church is a mixed multitude until you die and go to heaven. But he chooses the, the 12 apostles. And the 12 apostles, primarily their function was one of what? Do you know? They're heralds. They're preachers. One reformed, one of, the, one of the magisterial reformers, I forget, not Luther, but one of the magisterial reformers said the book of Acts is about preaching. The book of Acts is filled with the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's preaching, Paul's preaching, Philip is preaching, Timothy's preaching, Titus is preaching, 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 preaching. By these heralds, uh, the, the apostles, as I say, the extraordinary officers, extraordinary heralds, and then, as I mentioned, Timothy and Titus, they're the ordinary heralds. But the way, that the, the way that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is advanced is going to be set forth for us in the book of Acts. And it's, it's set forth by the foolishness of what? Preaching. Preaching. Preaching has fallen on hard times. There's a, a Reformed seminary. I won't tell you the name of the seminary. Um, they changed their preaching courses from homiletics preaching to communication classes. I'm going to give two thumbs down to that. Through the foolishness of preaching. Preaching is not a fireside chat. The the underlying Greek word is kirizo. It's an idea of some official herald called by God in the name of Jesus Christ. Hear ye, hear ye, in the name of the King. Repent of your sins. Believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And not every man has a right to be called an apostle, a prophet, even a preacher. This is something that God gives, the office and the calling, but he does. And so the way that the kingdom of Jesus is advanced is preaching. Now, I want you to think about this. We're all modern Christians. Does the modern Christian church think that you will advance the holy faith in Jesus by preaching the Bible? Do we? 
No, no, no. This doesn't work, does it? You need to get a magic kingdom, a blow-up doll, coffee latte, karate class. That's the way that you advance the kingdom. And if you think I'm kidding, look around. And I think it was a number of years ago, we drove by a big church and they had a petting zoo. And my wife said to me, look, they have a petting zoo at their church. They had goats, little goats and, and little tiny horses. And my wife said, our kids are grown and they're giving us grandchildren. She said, you know, if the kids were little, I would want to go to church here. And I thought, I don't have goats or baby horses. It, all I have is the Bible. But you see how attractive it is to the flesh to say, baby horses and free coffee? That's how the, the gospel is advanced. That's not the gospel. And God comes along in the book of Acts and says, oh, the way that God intends to save sinners and bring them to Jesus, to build them up into the image of Jesus, and to present them to Jesus is through the foolishness of preaching. All of us in this church are Protestants. And being Protestant, we can say I'm Protestant, we can say sola scriptura, but being sola scriptura is much different than saying sola scriptura. Saying sola scriptura will let you do Coco the Clown and Petting Zoo. Being sola scriptura says, well, the reason we can't do Coco the Clown and the reason we preach Christ is because God has said it. Do you see? And what does the Bible say? The, the, cross is, the preaching of the cross is foolish to the natural man. But what does the Bible say? It is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we're not here about filling up churches. We want to fill up heaven, and those two are not the same thing. And how do you fill up heaven? With this, God the Holy Spirit converts men to Christ, and then he sends them out to tell other people about Jesus. And it's through the foolishness of preaching. I want to read from our secondary standard, uh, which is the confession, our confession of faith, on the business of preaching. What, according to God's word, this is a summary of the primary standard, does preaching do? Larger catechism. How is the word of God, the word of the gospel, made effectual to salvation? The spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, humbling sinners, driving them out of themselves, and drawing them unto Christ, and conforming them to his image, and subduing them to his will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace, and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith in Jesus. Through the foolishness of preaching the Bible. God says it. The book of Acts is the first recorded history of the church. It says this is how the church turned the whole pagan world upside down through the foolishness of preaching Christ. So when our modern church says we don't believe it, all it testifies is they're apostate. And we pray for them. And then we pick up the word of God, we pick up the, the word of the cross, and we preach the word because it's designed to fill up heaven, not necessarily buildings. And I want to ask you this. Who or what would be against a Christian or against the Christian church or the Christian pulpit from preaching the word of God, the word of the cross? Who or what? If your enemy, you were going to square off against an enemy that was stronger than you, let's say you were weak, and let's say your father said when you came home after you were getting beat up all the time, you said, Dad, I'm getting beat up all the time, and he said, pick up a stick the next time. And so the next time you went to get in a fight, you picked up a stick because you were weak, 
and you knew that the stick was going to be an equalizer. And the person squared up across from you said, put down the stick. (laughs) Would you put down the stick? Why do they want you to put down the stick? Because they're going to beat you to a pulp if you don't have it. Beloved, it's, it's, it's from below when people tell the church or Christians, stop preaching about the blood of Jesus. Don't preach the blood. Don't preach the cross. Don't preach the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Don't preach repentance. Don't preach the Bible. Do something else. Like the crown financial principles so you can have money, how to be healthy or wealthy. Preach something else. How to take over America or something really important. That's not from God. I want everybody to have a million bucks. I want everybody to be healthy. And we're probably taking over America right as we speak. Oh, JK, only kidding. Are any of those things saving? Does that bring you to Christ and build you up into Christ? Will it take you to heaven? Let's say you're healthy as a horse. You've got a million bucks and everybody in the country is a Republican. Are you, does that make you, a, make you a Christian and bring you to heaven? No. No. Oh, beloved, there are a lot of Christian pulpits that preach Christless moralism. Be good because God is good. Amen? That doesn't bring anyone to Jesus. It's the same thing as those other other nonsense. Our God advances the kingdom of Christ through the foolishness of preaching Christ. That's how the Holy Spirit converts us. James 1.18, 1 Peter 2.21-25. The Holy Spirit takes the holy word of God to make us alive, to regenerate us, to give us faith in Jesus, to join us to him. And I do want to say this, and I want to be careful, because God sends out preachers. He doesn't send out priests. We have a priest. It's the high priest. You're going to say, John, this is your requisite snipe, swipe at the church of your youth. Yes, it is. But not just the Protestant, the Roman Catholic Church. Protestants do this. There is a New Testament priest. There's either the priesthood of believers or priest Jesus. Christ did not send out priests. What do priests do? What do priests do? They make sacrifice. How did Christ advance the kingdom of of Christ in the book of Acts by preachers. What do preachers do? They preach the word of God. They preach the gospel of Christ. It's radically different. I'm going to say this to any Protestant here that's being wooed to the Roman Catholic Church or a Catholic-like church. There's an allure to it, but you're looking at a completely different duck. It's not the preaching of the word. It's making sacrifices. You're going to have a priest. They're going to be performing sacrifices at an altar. Read the book of Hebrews. Look at Christ on the cross. He says, Tetelestai. It is what? It is finished. We preach what the priests were preaching. It's not the blood of the bulls and goats. It's the blood of the Lamb of God. And we as Protestant people, we need to believe, like really believe this. Protestants get picked off all the time from word, 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 Christianity to sacramentalism, to sacerdotalism because it has an allure to it. And related to that, he sends them out to be preachers of the word and not painters and not sculptors. Why do you all worship in a box? Where is the the, the stained glass of the ascension of Jesus? Jesus sent out preachers of the word. He didn't send out painters or sculptors. And I'm going to say something. No one is converted. No one is brought out of their sins to Christ savingly by looking at a painting. No one is built up into the image of Jesus by looking at the Pieta. 
How does God do that? Through the foolishness of the preaching of the word of God. Jesus says, Father, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? By the word of Christ. I have so much more sermon. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget. I'm going to forget the other part of my sermon. I want to say this. The book of Acts is about the action of God, the action of Christ, the action of Christ's people inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I want to end with this. Look in your Bible at um, Galatians 2, please. 20. This is one of my favorite Bible passages in Scripture. And this is what the book of Acts is teaching us. The Apostle Paul is going to say this about himself. I'm going to speak to every person that here is born again. You know God in Christ. You love God in Christ. You know that he loves you in Christ. This is you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives me, in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It's about people who are radically transformed in Christ. And we are going out into an antichrist world, spreading the love of God in Christ, in the gospel of God in Christ, by the power of the Lord Jesus. We are Christ's representatives. We are out telling people about Christ propositionally and practically. The way that you live your marriage, the way that you love your wife or love your husband or love your kids, the way that you live your life will either direct people to say, that, that Jesus they're telling me about, that's true. They're living to glorify him or not. And as we look at this book that is God's servants proclaiming Jesus, I understand not everyone's an apostle. I understand not everyone's a preacher. I had a woman many years ago. She's in glory now. She said, well, I'm not a preacher and I'm, I'm a woman and I can't be a preacher, so what can I do in the kingdom of God? And I thought to myself, I, I didn't want to get defensive, but I thought, well, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard. What do you mean, what can you do just because you're a woman and you can't be a preacher? Most guys aren't preachers. Who, who would want to be a preacher anyway? I mean, Stick up your hand if the person that you first heard Jesus from was your mother. Thornwell said the greatest Christian person he ever knew in the world was his mother. Was his mother. Oh, beloved. I get it. Mama, grandmother, daddy, you are a little ambassador for Jesus Christ and you got the best because they love you back. They believe you, at least when they're little. And the Bible says this. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the book of Acts. Namely, 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself ready, not counting their transgresses, trans- trespasses against them, and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Don't go looking for people that don't sin because they don't exist. Our job is to tell sinners that God loves sinners and he cleanses them in Christ. Therefore, you ready? This is the Bible. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal, and it's beg. I know there are some people that don't like this language. I feel bad for you. The Bible says this. Through God, we make an appeal. He making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have that ministry. God saves sinners. He brings us to Christ and then he scatters us out in the world and says, go tell sinners that God loves them. Come to Christ. Believe in Christ. Be joined to Christ. And when they die, they're going to open their eyes and they're going to see Christ. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. May God be pleased with the preaching of his word.